the title of my message today is for, uh, for Uncertain Times, Facing These Uncertain Times. And it's, it's a challenge, I think, you know, with the different things going on in our lives and in our country. And one of the things we've been studying in, in uh, our Wednesday night is Ephesians chapter 3. And I thought I would start with that uh, little bit of a re re review for those of you who have been here on Wednesday night. And, it, and Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, now, whenever, we were, whenever we're looking at this, we're seeing where Paul is declaring, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Okay? And what he's not saying is, I am not a prisoner of the Roman government. I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And the purpose for him being in jail was his proclamation of the gospel for the Gentiles. And he says there in verse 7, um, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Now, the challenge, remember, we're talking about uh, facing uncertain times. So perhaps we can look at ourselves as we are servants of Jesus Christ. I will lift my voice to you. I lay my life before you. And like Paul, we're laying our life before God. And we are saying that we are not a prisoner of our time. We are a servant of Jesus Christ. And that Paul says in verse 7, I became a servant of Jesus Christ in this prison in Rome by the gift of God's grace. <laughs> and so, wait a minute. Uh, the gift of God's grace to be a prisoner in a Roman uh, house arrest in Rome. I don't want to sign up for that grace. I, had, I, I just, I think I'll pass on that one, God. That's a gift of your grace. Just, just let it go. I, I don't want that one in my life. Well, we find that he says, by the gift of God's grace given me through the power, the working of the power of that grace. And so whenever we're thinking of and trying to envision this whole thing for our own lives, that we are facing uncertain times because we are a child of Jesus Christ, and that the gospel of the gift of God's grace has been given to us to face the difficulties that we have each day in our lives, whether it's in our daily routines or whether it's in our government or whether it's in our differences of opinion. It doesn't matter. We are looking at how that by God's grace and his power, I have the strength to deal with where I'm at, and I'm not going to see it differently than that this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Now, when you look at what we've been studying and when going through the book of Ephesians, we find that Paul does not consider himself um, to be a, in, in a, I don't want to say he doesn't see himself in a difficult situation, but he sees himself as being uh, there by the will of God. Now, I mentioned this on Wednesday, but it's, uh, it's worth repeating in the sense that Paul is writing these letters and he's writing them to churches or areas that 90% of the people can't read. So if people can't read, what's the use of writing letters? And Paul, you know, if you were thinking of it, if you were Paul or if I were Paul in prison, I would be thinking, well, you know, it would be better for me to be there preaching. It would be better for me to be there in person rather than pinning these things and sending them off because I can't leave because I'm chained to this Roman guard. Uh, but 
Paul didn't see, or perhaps he didn't see, he doesn't say that he understood that these letters are going to be around for a few thousand years, and we are the beneficiaries of him being faithful to being the prisoner of Jesus Christ in a Roman prison, and we are able to read of his writings and God's thoughts through him. And so we are here today reading this because Paul saw himself as a prisoner of Jesus, not a prisoner of the Romans. So in our life then, as we look at life around us, we are not prisoners or held captive by our life situations. We are serving God and we are laying our life before God. So therefore, we can, <laughs> we can have an optimism. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we can have an optimism. We can be optimistic about our future. Because our future is not in this world, but in the world to come. But it doesn't mean we're just, you know, chopped liver in this, in this life. We are servants of Jesus Christ, and God is going to take us through and see us through each of our situations. So it is a time for us to be optimistic, and it's time for us to recognize that God has a bigger picture in mind than just, you know, us looking in the mirror. <laughs> Today's culture, especially with the last few well, the last year and, and I guess months or so, almost a year, dealing with this pandemic and wrongful deaths and riots and diversity of politics. And we're never sure of what type of day it's going to be whenever we wake up. And then it, it just, you know, the world is changing and sometimes it changes right in front of our eyes. It seems like we are living where one crisis seems to follow another and that <laughs> some people are just locked up in their homes, uh, in their lives, and just afraid of what will happen next. But when we know the world, that which is anti-God, when we know the world that it is pursuing its own agendas, but we also know that God is pursuing his agenda. And it's not good versus evil. It's God is in control, and God will see the plan through to a finish because he wrote the end of the book, <laughs> You know, the book of Revelation, he wrote the end of the book, and, and we find out that God is in control even to the very end in which everything is, passes away as being rolled up like a scroll, and he creates a new heavens and a new earth. That's in the book of Revelation. So that's why it is so important for us to see God's hand holding our life. It's important that we see God holding us, just like Paul said that he was in prison because of, 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 he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. We are not a prisoner of our times. We're, not, we're often held captive in our own minds. <laughs> you know. Sometimes it's a very small room. <laughs> it all depends on you know, our thinking. <laughs> there was no amens on that one. You know? <laughs> it's a small room, that mind, you know. So... But it's important that we see the hand of God holding our life and that the, the, our faith, you know, we, we don't check our brain at the door to have faith. God has called us to understand and to believe and to bring, bring our faith into action and into, into perceptions of, of life and what we are about. So we may live in an insecure world, but we serve an all-powerful God. 
So even if you are experiencing crises after crises, God is still Lord of Lords and Kings of King of Kings, and He will be, He is victorious over all things. So He has been and always will be the King of Kings. So God is in total control. <laughs> so wait, 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 wait a minute. God is in total control. Why does He let these things happen? Well, man likes to think that they can do as they please, and. Uh, when it's all said and done, we will all stand before him and we will give account of our lives. And uh, even in our crises, we can see the hand of God working and leading us. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses every understanding. Now, when I was putting this together, you know, I, I've, I've quoted this verse, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of times, that the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And guard your hearts and minds means garrison. You know, it's like a garrison of, of soldiers will be on guard for our minds and our hearts. But it surpasses every understanding. Now, we would, I think if we understand why something happens, we can deal with it better. You know, people are wondering, why did that happen? Why did it happen? If we can just see a reason for it, we somehow can, you know, calm ourselves down enough to, to deal with it in, in, in a way that will somehow bring us some type of stability in our life. And, but the scripture is saying that surpasses every understanding that we don't have the ability to understand everything that God is doing in our world and in our life. And so what we're doing is trusting we're trusting God that he will give us the wisdom to deal with everything that is coming in our life and that the understanding will come later. <laughs> Whenever we get into eternity and look back, we'll see how it all fit. There was a plan, there was a purpose, but every surpasses every understanding. <laughs> wow. So I don't have to understand everything. I need to believe that God is with me and know that God is with me. I will lift my heart, my hands to him, and that I will sing praises to him. It doesn't say, I will understand all things and therefore I will praise God. <laughs> you know? I will have faith whenever I know everything. Now there are some people who know everything, they don't have faith. <laughs> all you have to do is ask them and they can straighten you out. But So, <laughs> we do not have the answers and we do not know what will happen and our focus is on all that could happen. Did you ever try and figure out all the things that could happen? <laughs> That's called worry. <laughs> that we're worried about this and worried about that, and we know that this could happen and that could happen, and the shoulda, woulda, couldas, and, you know, on and on we go with the merry-go-round that never stops, and we can't put a finger on it and we can't stop it because there's still more things that could happen, and it robs us of sleep. <laughs> Can you add another minute to life or detract a minute from life? Well, we can detract a minute from worrying. You, know, can, you can worry yourself to death. <laughs> That's an expression. It's not in the Bible. But it's one of those things that I think worry and fear can take us into those uh, health problems. But did you know the peace? Did you know peace is spoken of throughout both the Old Testament and New Testament? 
Peace is mentioned over 400 times in the scriptures. I wonder if God knew what we were like. (laughs) That we are the peace of God which passes our ability to understand. I kind of like that translation. That the peace of God which surpasses our understanding. So 400 times, over 400 times, God speaks to his people about peace. So, God must have known us, and he's trying to create a little stability in our lives. And so God instructs us on how to live in peace. How to live in peace. And how we live in peace is to understand his word, the scriptures. You see, it is the word that is our guide. It is the word that is a lamp unto our path. And we find in uh, Deuteronomy, it says, he has gone before us. He'll go ahead of us, he'll be right behind us, and he will never leave us nor forsake us. So whenever he's writing, you know, the the prophet, when Moses is writing this, he's telling and reaffirming to the children of Israel how that God goes before, he goes ahead, he goes behind, he'll never leave us. So the understanding is that when they face the Red Sea, God is already there. When they leave the Red Sea and go out into the the desert, God is already there. When they don't have food, God is already there. When they don't have water, God is already there. So every crisis they face, God is already there. So the challenge is for us not to necessarily to understand why we've walked into a crisis, but to understand that God is already there. God is already there. So there's no place we can be that God is not already there. And we find that when we call upon the Lord and we focus on God, not necessarily focus on our prayers as to what we want God to do, but focus on God and who he is, that he will never leave us and that he has prepared a path, a place, a guide. He's there. God offers us a peace that surpasses our ability to understand. (laughs) So, all the crises that we face, in some way, has purpose. (laughs) All the crises that we face, in some way, has purpose. And it's not to cause us to doubt, it's to cause us to believe. (laughs) God's not trying to kick us off the boat. (laughs) He's not trying to throw us under the bus. He's trying to get us to challenge what we understand. We spoke of that in the Sunday school lesson in which the uh, scribes and Pharisees were challenging Jesus. Now, Jesus had this unique ability that, well, I don't want to call it unique, he's God, but uh, he had the ability to challenge the, the scribes. The scribes would sit there and, you know, they would always be in their mind saying, okay, he's really not God. He can't be the Messiah. <laughs> I found this out in the Sunday school lesson. Um, he can't be the Messiah because if he were the Messiah, he would obliterate the wicked and elevate the righteous. So he hasn't, he's not elevating us. The scribes, that their thought? He's not elevating us, so therefore he's not the Messiah. You know, <laughs> 
because he would get rid of all these riffraff and he would elevate us. So Jesus wasn't doing that, so they just figured he couldn't be the Messiah. Second of all, they believed that um, if someone was sick, they were sinful. So Jesus would tell them, your sins are forgiven, and they would go irate, you're blaspheming a God. And God said, and Jesus says, well, what is it easier to do? Say, your sins are forgiven or be healed? Well, well because if they were healed, they had to be forgiven in order to get well. Because they're sinful, therefore they have a problem. <laughs> and so when Jesus says, be healed, they have to be forgiven first. And so that's why Jesus asked them, he says, which is easier, to say the person your sins are forgiven or to be healed? Which is easier? And so what did the uh, scribes do? They couldn't answer Jesus, so they went over and partnered with the Herodians to kill Jesus. We can't answer that question, so we'll kill you. You know, it's, and in our lives, because we don't understand, doesn't mean that there's something wrong. It means that he's challenging us, what is he really asking us to do? What does he really have in mind? What is the purpose behind this? So, so we try and make sense, and that's only natural, that we would try and make sense out of our world and the events that are, are happening, so... If we want to make sense, we watch the news. <laughs> you know, if you want to know what's going on in the world and want to make sense of it, just watch the news. Pick your version. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> Pick your version of the news. I'll have more of those, Terry, you know. <laughs> It'd be like those old radio programs, you know, whatever, We're no, we won't go there. But anyhow, so pick your version of the news and uh, read the newspaper. Talk to people. <laughs> if you really want to know what's going on, uh, we, well, my little knick-knack of thoughts is um, all we do is share our ignorance whenever we share our opinion. <laughs> because... We share what we've heard. None of us, none of us know what's going on firsthand unless we're talking about our own motives. Everything else is second, third hand and what somebody else has told us. And so we're just sharing our ignorance. And we're, we're proving that we are ignorant. <laughs> By, you know, you're going to believe this, you know. And there's only one truth that we know that's eternal, and that's Jesus Christ. And all the rest is up for discussion. So as we have and see what God is doing in our lives, we have our focal point is Jesus Christ. Isaiah 55 says, God's ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than ours. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways. So trying to understand everything that happens in our lives is like we are elevating ourselves to a place that is the same as God. Because only he, he, <laughs> his thoughts are higher than ours. God's purpose is, number one, he loves us. He loves us more than we'll ever know, and so therefore he has a plan for us. That's why he created us. 
That's why he's given us our giftings, our abilities, and placed us in the circumstances we are in so that in these places we find God touching our lives, holding our hands, holding our lives, and he's giving us the strength for each moment, and we're praying for wisdom and guidance to interpret what's going on. And so we find that his ways are higher than ours and his thoughts are higher than ours. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways basically higher than your ways. So God's not asking us to worry about life. He's asking for us to trust him. So while we might not understand and perhaps never understand, we can trust God in the fact that he understands and he will allow the lost, the people, the world that is anti-God. He will allow them to run their rebellion until it brings them right to the point of the return of Jesus. We say, well, that's a pretty nasty thing. Well, when Jesus uh, came and when he was here walking the earth, uh, the devil figured, you know, he could, if he could just kill Jesus, he would solve all of his problems. And so with Judas and the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders at the time, their whole goal was to, was to kill him. <laughs> and if they knew the will of God, they would have never allowed Jesus to be crucified. But see, they were blind in their rage. They just wanted rid of him. But in reality, they fulfilled the will of God, the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. He sacrificed himself upon the cross for the sins of humanity. And, be, and because he lives, he rose from the dead. Because he lives, we shall live also. If the same spirit that, that was in Jesus that raised him from the dead dwelled in us, he will quicken our mortal bodies. So that quickening power of the Holy Spirit is alive inside of us. So that's why when we don't understand the purpose the one who made us and created the purpose is inside of us, helping us, helping me to understand that I don't have to understand. I have to learn to trust him. Pray that his steps, that my steps, the, the steps of the righteous person is ordered by the Lord. And so God is ordering my steps and I'm, we're trying to follow in step with him. So how do you truly have faith to this crazy world that we live in? Well, I think the challenge is for us to allow the scriptures to speak to us. To allow the scriptures to be our guide. To allow the scriptures that, well, okay, when we feel lonely, I will never leave thee nor forsake you. Okay, so that's his scriptures told us. It's his promise, I'll not leave you. Okay, well, I don't know which way to go. I don't know what I should do. God will give us direction. Steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. So God has a, a plan and a path for us to follow. So we're praying and asking for that. You know, and we, when we reach a dead end and we don't know where to go, then stay there. <laughs> because it's not a dead end. Because God will open the door to the right or to the left or in front or behind. He'll give us direction and his purpose and his plan will always be fulfilled. So there is this <laughs> turbulent story in the Bible which the disciples were being tossed around on the Sea of Galilee. And in the middle of the wind and the waves, the disciples thought they saw Jesus coming to them. Now, 
you know, we have stories of ancient mariners and how that they have, you know, these ancient serpents and, you know, squid and all these, and they fall off the end of the earth. And, you know, they had lots of things and dreams and visions in the night, in the storms especially. So the Sea of Galilee, I'm sure, was uh, no different for the, the fishermen and people who spent their life there. But the Sea of Galilee was, is kind of unique in the sense that it's not that big as far as you would think of sea, the Mediterranean Sea and things like that. Sea of Galilee is just like a small lake. But there is this um, hills, mountains, and there's a valley between them. And so the wind coming off of the Mediterranean Sea comes and hits this, these uh, mountains and it creates this funnel effect that comes right down out onto the Sea of Galilee so that storms can come up very quickly and they can be very ferocious and the, the winds and the waves can, you know, capsize boats in no time. So here they are out on this sea and this very turbulent time and Peter, impetuous Peter, Peter was, wasn't sure if it was Jesus. So he called out, Lord, if it is you, Command me to come to, to you on the water. Now, challenge is that in our turbulent time, Jesus is with us. So the challenge is, God, if this is you, help me to come to you in this moment. Now, so Jesus said, come, walk on the water. I remember I did a sermon on this years ago, and you can imagine Peter and the rest of the disciples. The rest of the disciples, Peter, sit down. Don't rock the boat. <laughs> Don't go out there. It's not, it's not safe to walk on water, Peter. <laughs> can, you know, can you hear them going on? You know, Peter, you, you dits. When are you going to get, when are you going to get, stop doing this and putting your foot in your mouth? Stay in the boat. People don't walk on water. And Peter does what he always does. He doesn't listen. <laughs> you know, he just kind of charges right in there, impetuous Peter. And so Peter gets out of the boat, <laughs> and um, he's the only other person that we know of besides Jesus that walks on water. Now, often we, we you know, people have criticized Peter because he doubted. Well, first of all, he got out of the boat and everybody else sat in it. And I always like people who challenge those who get out of the boat. You know, you got out of the boat and look what happened. You sank. Well, I may have sunk, but I walked on water. You know, well, that doesn't matter. You still sank. <laughs> so Peter's walking on the water, and he, what does he do? He becomes distracted by the wind and the waves. Because you're walking on water doesn't mean that the wind and the waves that blow in your face and the, the water and the mist and all that doesn't, you know, <laughs> have an effect upon you. When we are walking with Jesus in the difficulties of our times doesn't mean that we don't feel the circumstances around us. And whenever we believe that we're walking with Jesus and we still feel the circumstances around us, it doesn't mean we're in the wrong place. The disciples are still in the boat, and they're still afraid, and they haven't got a clue 
what Peter's doing sounds familiar, doesn't it? When people who step out in faith and people say, you know, those crazy religious believers, they haven't got a clue what's going on in life. Well, God doesn't want us to be nuts. He wants us to step out in faith and, you know, now, I remember years ago there was a, a group in Johnstown and they had a prayer meeting or whatever on the second story of the building and someone felt that God wanted them to step out in faith. Well, they fell <laughs> from the second story because they thought that they should walk out into the air. No, you don't do that. You don't stand out in front of a train thinking that you're Superman. But we do have the ability to know that it's good faith to step out of the way when the train is coming. But we also know that there are times in which that we can believe for the impossible. And we, st we did that last week with the five loaves and two fish. That it's the only miracle that all of the disciples participated in. And Jesus took something that was very minimal. Five flat pancakes and two sardines, a boy's lunch, girl's lunch. And divided it up to 12 baskets, and the 12 baskets went out to 50 groups of 100, and they had leftovers. You see, Peter was able to step out of the boat knowing that God was capable of doing things that, that the other people just really called into question. And so he saw the wind and the boisterous, and he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, the challenge is, should Jesus have left him sink because he doubted? Teach him a lesson. <laughs> no. Jesus wasn't interested in making Peter pay for stepping out of the boat. He was interested in touching his life in a way that only Peter could understand. Because that's just who Peter was. And God will touch my life in a way that's different than he touches your life. And he will touch us differently because we each have our own challenges. You know, Peter was impetuous. The other guys, they're sitting in the boat afraid. But Peter was able to step out. And so whenever we step out and we believe that God in our crises, and whatever they may be, you know, we each have crises, but the degree of difficulty greatly changes with each of us in each of our lives. And so it's not about the degree of difficulty, the severity of the pain, the challenge that is before us, it's whatever is facing us, God is capable to say, it's okay, come with me. Well, what if I fail? There are no failures. Lessons to learn. Because the crises are nothing more than opportunities in which God will show himself and reveal himself to us in a way that will... Help us become even more secure in our faith. And Peter, he didn't sink. He barely began to sink, and he, Jesus was there. They were in the boat, and Jesus calmed the storm. And everything changed because Peter got out of the boat. <laughs> and sometimes just stepping towards God and having faith. And, you know, it's our prayer, not an assumption, it's not assuming, it is saying, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. Here's my life, I lay it before you. What do you have for me?
So I worship you and thank you that I'm safe in your arms, in your hands, and no matter what happens to me, nothing can ever separate me from you. Amen? Jesus, we thank you for hearing our prayers. And God, each of us face difficulties in different ways. And Lord, we're not comparing. We're just coming to you. And Lord, whatever it is that we face, whatever it is that we're challenged with, God, you're telling us to be at peace. And God, you're giving us directions that no matter how turbulent we think the world and life is, and the crises that we face, nothing but a storm that has blown up on the sea of time. And Lord, it is nothing to you. And so you weren't hindered walking on the water in the storm. We, walking with you, can walk in peace in the midst of the storm because we're with you. We thank you. Let your peace be upon our hearts and minds. Let us worship and adore you, for you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. We are safe in eternity. We are safe with you here and now. Bless us. Bless our families. Let your divine provision and your divine presence be with us. We pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.